Ferroletto, publisher of New Observations Magazine. Welcome to the show today. We are very fortunate to have two amazing women joining us. Um, Laura Bruno, a medical intuitive, Reiki master, life coach, and professional intuitive author, artist, and organic gardener has joined us, as well as Anne Creelkamp, uh, whose website, exopermaculture.com, bridges above and below um, in the permaculture world and astrology and sustainability. And to have two such extraordinary wise women on the show with me in, at this moment when we're all dealing with um, chaos and not only um, chaotic energy, but new ways of being, new expectations that are being placed on us, um, which are changing daily, by the way. Um, this will be a very interesting conversation for our listeners and for the three of us. Welcome, Anne and Laura. Thank you. Thank you. So. Um, I'd love to hear how the two of you met and if each of you could give just a little background uh, in terms of the work that you do. Sure. Anne, you want to go first? Uh, no. What, do you remember how we met? <laughs> I think we met through our blogs. I think, okay. I, think I, I knew of your blog and I think you picked up some articles of mine or something, maybe from Shift Frequency or something like that. And then something we kind like of corresponded that. and then... Because yeah. we both had the interest in permaculture, and when right. David and I moved to Indiana, you were driving through and you visited us once. Yes, and then yes. we visited I don't you. Remember down even in when Bloomington? Pardon me. Yeah, and then you. And then we visited here. you in Bloomington. Yeah, and then we've been touching in with each other ever since to stay sane, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how long ago was that? Twenty twelve. Some it was it when we were still living in Madison, so it was before okay. the end of 2012, anyway. Right. That we first right. contacted each other. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Well, um, I mean, really, I think Laura is the only person that there's nothing that's out of bounds to talk about. <laughs> no dimension that's out of bounds, and I think she's beyond me. You're beyond me in terms of what you're what dimensions you're usually working with. Um, so I learn from you a lot, even though you're younger than my children. Uh, I'm 77 years old and you're what? 46, 46. 46. Yeah. You're younger than my own kids. So yeah, it's always nice yeah. to be learning from someone young. What do you want kids? But Anne's been great with astrology for me because I had kind of dabbled in it for a long time. And then in early 2018, I really got the nudge that I needed to dive very, very deep into it and not just do these little bits and pieces for medical intuitive clients, but really, really deep in my studies. And I asked Anne about a school to go to, and she said, well, I'll just mentor you. And so then our sporadic contact became very intense for a while, right? <laughs> so Yeah, um, but, you yeah. know, mentoring Laura is um, like being on a... Um, a rocket ship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, in fact, she's introduced me to uh, certain uh, asteroids that I wasn't paying attention to, uh, one of which really made me understand a lot more about my own experience as a mom, because it wasn't a typical experience. I left my children with their father uh, when they were young, and it was a tremendously horrible, horrible time on lots of levels. Uh, I was one of the original hippie women, you know, and uh, I didn't ever know anybody that had done what I did. And I, I lived with tremendous uh, guilt and, you know, I saw them regularly in the summers, but it was always difficult. And, uh, you know, we're still healing it. We're still healing it. I think we'll always be healing it. But I can't remember which planet is it that <laughs> which asteroid is it? Oh, it's Black Moon oh, Lilith, Lilith. Was, Lilith was the big one yes, for you. Black Moon yeah. Lilith. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, opposite my my um, Venus Mercury. Anyway, let's not go into astrology, but it was tremendously helpful for me. And here I had been a, an astrologer since uh, the 70s and hadn't paid attention to that. Uh, so you can always learn. There's always more, right? There's always, in between any two points, there's always a space. So I like to go into the space and find more points within it. And then there's going to be spaces within that too. So I'm, I'm into dimensions on a more metaphysical level, a metaphysical way of talking about it, because my background's in philosophy. Um, not that I was a typical philosopher. I uh, got a PhD in it, uh, but uh, I was a, a maverick even in school. I ended up a maverick. I, first, I was a very good student, and then I had a breakdown, breakthrough uh, which rendered me a completely different person due to an illness that I had that where I almost died and that changed my life completely. Uh, so that now I realize that anything that goes on with the body, uh, it first is the spirit that is directing the body to manifest something to show me what I need to do next. The body as a um, bellwether. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I don't know why I went there, but so I, I think with the coronavirus, people are terrified of their own bodies because they're not in touch with their bodies. They're utilizing their bodies as a, an instrument, you know, to get tough, to be mechanized like people that go to the gym or, you know, to just absorb all sorts of junk food like people that just sit and watch something. Uh, that isn't in their own life uh, on a screen. And so the body is like a, a frontier. It's like a frontier in our culture. And uh, this, hopefully this can help us recognize that, this whole experience that we're going through. It's an extraordinary time when people are being asked to sequester themselves at home and work from home and only go out basically to go to the grocery store and bring back supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the likes of which, you know, perhaps has never happened before on a global mm-hmm. scale. So um, it's, it's new territory for all of us. And um, I, I think, you know, things like the, fighting over toilet paper and uh, paper towels and, and the way people are responding. A woman in Vermont was telling me the other day that uh, she went to the grocery store herself and the, one of the clerks was in tears because people were so mean to her o- over toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if not having toilet paper is the worst thing that one uh, faces in, in life, it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it's interesting how different people are responding to it. I I have clients all over the world, some of whom are in Asia, and so I've been hearing about coronavirus since late November, early December, because people were kind Mm. of, it was on their radar, and I realized in retrospect that I had been dreaming about it since September, So, so my approach is a little different, but it's been interesting because... I work with a lot of people who've been chronically disabled for years, so either brain injuries or a lot of Lyme disease people, and Lyme is an invisible epidemic. And so these people who have been kind of the freaks, who people have not necessarily treated well, not necessarily believed that they were that ill, didn't understand Mm -hmm. why they're staying home, why they're doing all these spiritual practices, suddenly these people are finding that, all their friends and family and neighbors are turning to them for advice on, well, how do you mm-hmm. handle an epidemic and what does it mean to go inside and how come you're not so stressed out about this? So that's mm-hmm. been interesting. And then also, I don't really go out and do that much shopping normally because my husband likes procuring things. But um, I went out with him a couple days ago when we were at Trader Joe's and overheard one of the clerks saying, yeah, we're all going to have uh, degrees in psychology by the time this is over because <laughs> they're counseling everybody so that goes true. through their line. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, people have been nice here so far. Like, there's not been that much panic, but it's Michigan. Everybody's kind of nice to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Midwestern friendly friendliness. I think people are making. It's like somehow all of a sudden, everybody has to re-engage with life in a different way. It's like a reset button for the for everyone internally and with their friends and you know, to the extent that they do go outside to get food. Uh, it's like a reset button has been hit and we don't know how it's going to, how it's going to develop, but we're right in the present moment and we have to remember and keep on expanding that present moment so that we can feel the, the centering process within it that includes others, even though we're six feet away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like fascinating to me that it because because otherwise we're just longing for the past or terrified of the future. Mm-hmm. Those are the choices. We're so, about to take our first commercial break, so hold that thought, and we'll come back to it because um, I know our audience would love to hear how the two of you are centering yourselves and and grounding as we go through. Um, this process energetically, I know I myself am feeling the collective, you know, in a very profound way. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. So Laura, in terms of the people that you're currently working with, um, how are they faring in general? Well, it's interesting and actually really heartening. So Again, I, I have a lot of clients that are extremely chronically ill that it's not a one-and-done session with me. And so there's people that I've known for years that touch base when certain things happen with their health or when they need to make decisions. And throughout the time that we've worked together, I've, I've found that we've focused a lot on spiritual tools specific to them, what, what things will be grounding for them, what things will help them through it. And I've heard from a number of people lately that really this line, wow, I was born for this moment. It's people that were thinking that they just didn't have a clear sense of their life path, and now all of a sudden things are coming together for them where they're realizing, oh, all of the things I know how to do and all of the connections that I've made are actually perfectly aligned for me to help my community right now. And so that's mm-hmm. that's been really affirming because I've known these people over the long haul and really watched them grow, but to watch them grow in such specific ways that it just fits in perfectly, it's like that's very big confirmation that there is a higher plan at work. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And and I I would agree with that. I feel that um, we're kind of in in the movie Slumdog Millionaire right now. Um, you know, the main character is a, a contestant on the quiz quiz show, and all of the events in his life, as um, unconnected as they may have seemed, in fact, brought him to this place where he had the right answers to to you know win this million dollar prize uh and he grew up in abject poverty and just one thing after another happened to him in his life but yet he had at his disposal all of the correct answers and i certainly feel that that's at play in my life at the moment i see the synchronicities and the uh connections and the overlaps so clearly mm-hmm. i have the other thing that i've noticed oh go ahead no go ahead I was going to say the other thing that I've noticed is that there are some people that I work with that aren't sick, but they're what I would call, well, some of them are, but, but they're, they are what I would call just really, really super high vibe bright lights. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because they're all situated in areas where there's rampant coronavirus. It's almost like they've been placed wow. there just to hold the energy and to keep that frequency very, very high and to put out kind of calming vibrations and help their neighbors. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. the ones that I know that are kind of the highest just happen to be placed in these locations that have the largest amount of coronavirus. And that I also don't find that to be coincidental. Yeah. Right. I would agree with you. Fascinating. My own experience, I'm living with millennials 
and I'm living with, um, you know, people between 24 and 32, and then another one that's 46, and another one that's 60, uh, 56, and another one that's 66, and I'm 77. So it's a very intergenerational thing, and I what I notice is, <clears throat> the, especially the one that's 66 with me, um, another old hippie, we just kind of ride with it because we were adults when uh, Kennedy was assassination, assassinated, and we were adults when 9-11 happened, which again, these were events, not to get political about it, but they changed the world, and we're still living with the after effects of both those events. And um, so the younger people have not had that experience of going through something this profound. And uh, so I think it's harder on them. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I think that's true. I was listening to Joni mm-hmm. Patree, who does Vedic astrology and has has been accurate in a number of her predictions. And mm-hmm. I, I know something about Western astrology, but not particularly the Vedic system. But she was talking about going back 18 years, which is 9-11, and mm-hmm. pre- the previous 18 years, um, and I'm forgetting what she said, but then the, the 18 Saturn years Pluto. before that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a no, but specifically with an event, with an oh, event okay. that happened. Um, 18 years before that one was the Kennedy assassination. So she was tra- tracking these things in terms of the, right. the pattern. Um, and you can, you can also track both those. Well, you can certainly track the 9-11 one with the Saturn-Pluto thing that started. Yes. They conjuncted in January, remember, and they were opposed to each other at 9-11, and they happened to be opposed to each other right on top of the ascendant of the United States. So it was like, it was meant to be, that 9-11 experience was meant to be. Um, well, and the 18-year you know, we thing is, oh, sorry. Yes. The 18-year yes, thing is nodal cycle, too. too. Yeah, the, that's what I was just going to say. The the North yeah. Node and South Node cycle, yeah. it, it goes back yeah. to the same place every 18 years. Yeah. And that's a and, I mean, in Vedic, that's very important, the nodes. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I it really helps when we do really look at life in terms of cycles, seeing each of us as the center of a series of concentric rings going out from the center, so radiating out, right? So if you can stay in your own center and constantly expand it, expand the now, um, that is the calming influence. Um, So that's what I practice all the time. And my, my main my main spiritual practice uh, really is walking my dog because it's like if if I can if I can get the person to look up from their phone or their whatever they they've got in their hand it's usually their phone um, then I can gaze into the soul for one millimeter of a second you know and they always respond. They have that moment that could increase if they allow it. If they, they probably don't even remember that it happened. Though some actually go there, and it's much easier to do this practice when you've got a dog, especially a cute little dog like I've got, because the dogs are always <laughs> present. They're always. always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that the, and that's a Sufi practice, really. I don't know if the Sufis would say that, but we call it the gaze, you know, to just gaze into the soul through through the eye into the soul. It's not hard to do, but it's very profound. And I do it with clerks in the bank. I do it with clerks in the store. I've done it forever. And it's such an, an incredible experience every time. So it's like it gives me energy every time I, I contact that level in the other person, which is from that part of me, or I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And the impulse at the moment where we're being encouraged to sequester ourselves is to mm-hmm. not go there, is to do right. the opposite and, and avoid. So we all have to work doubly hard to make that connection. And yet, One thing that I've there's more noticed. people out walking now with their dogs, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Right. 
The other thing that I've noticed is that people are having more real conversations. Mm-hmm. So the the mm-hmm. times that you do run into somebody, it's not just, hey, how are you doing? It goes very quickly from, hey, how are you doing, to, wow, this is what I'm dealing with, or mm-hmm. um, people really showing a lot of care for other people that mm-hmm. maybe it didn't occur to them before, but now all of a sudden life seems much more fragile and therefore more precious. And so mm-hmm. I've noticed kind of a, a pleasant turn in things being less superficial and much more connected. Yes. Yeah, I had an experience in, in a grocery line. I have a nearby Aldi's, which I'm very grateful for. And as I go into the line where a lot of people had a lot of toilet paper and bottled water, you know, um, but they were talking and joking with each other instead of just standing there waiting with their phones. And the clerk was just, they're just, the clerk are like zen, you know, they're in a zen place. They're just totally calm. It's wonderful. It's really interesting. That's great. Really interesting. Makes me want to go every day. <laughs> I just might. <laughs> Talk about a sociological experiment, huh? It's like well, also spring. What? what? What were you going to say? I was going to say, it's like all of a sudden in this play that we have on Earth, the set changed, right? Like Yes. Know, the set changed, and all these other possibilities are there, but they keep changing. So you have to get present because otherwise you're going to be, be disappointed because what you expected didn't happen, right? What you wanted didn't happen because there were so many things in play. And so you have to learn how to be completely there right now making whatever choices need to be made. And the more present you are, the better your choices are going to be. So, Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I'm really grateful because the universe, in my opinion, is being very gentle with us um, mm-hmm. in terms of all the things that could have happened. Um, mm-hmm. The coronavirus seems like a, a very gentle, um, you know, experience um and it's coinciding with the beginning of spring and soon people will have the opportunity to go outside and plant gardens and i know both of you are master gardeners um but grow their own vegetables and connect with nature in that way which can only be healing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah unless you know i sometimes i get a feeling of hmm are they going to lock us down inside our houses so all these plants we've got growing in the greenhouse now won't be able to be planted, but we have to plant them at midnight, you know? <laughs> there is a part of me that goes there, I'll tell you. you know, like, what, what, where, where is this going to end up in terms of the panic uh, and the response to panic? But I think that um, if we can just put our calming energy and our healing energy into it, I mean, we really have no idea how immensely important that is and how it radiates. Oh, I think we, I think we, I think those of us who have been working with it, you know, know. throughout our lifetime, we know. And, and we're also very much in a place of instant manifestation if we're in Mm -hmm. that, in Mm -hmm. that zone. Um, We're about to take our second and final break. for the program, so we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Well, Laura and Anne, you both have very successful blogs that people turn to time and again, myself included, um, for wonderful, um, informative articles and sharing in terms of comments with other like-minded people. Um, how do you both see using your platform at this moment um, in terms of bringing your audience together? For me, it's uh, my my blog is really it's like I I like to work multidimensionally always, right? Uh, likewise, in my written work, and so. I just keep doing that, and it's what it's ending up to be right now is uh, what's going on for me in in my daily life, 
and uh, then I will also put a an article or two that notice that might respond to what's going on for me in daily life. So in other words, it's it's more like a a daily travel log through this um, amazing adventure we're all in. That makes sense. One of the things I like about Anne's blog, too, is that it kind of models how people can experience things on the personal level and then connect that to the macro and then bring it back Mm -hmm. to the daily moments and the daily interactions. Mm -hmm. I think that's just good modeling Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't ever think to do that. So um, it kind of provides a pathway. Yeah, the, the also, Anne, I was just going to say there's a level of activism in your blog that I truly mm-hmm. admire uh, mm-hmm. and, and respond to myself because I'm mm-hmm. a similar, uh, you know, personality mm-hmm. and, and do believe that activism, taking, taking action in whatever form is, mm-hmm. is the ultimate expression of whatever it is we're talking, writing, thinking about. Exactly. But like this Green Acres Village that I live in, um, this is the, the, to me, this is the, um, the demonstration of what I have been basically teaching all my life and didn't realize until recently, because I've started to go back through all my written work, that my, my teaching has to do simply with the fact that we always need to incorporate opposites in whatever we're doing. So the shadow and the light for example, like, so there's a lot of shadow work that we do here in this community, because that's what's missing in our culture. We don't deal with the parts of ourselves that we don't like, we don't even know they're there, we just project them onto other people. So to take back projections, look at your inner life, whether it's your own inner life, whether it's the inner life of your household, the inner life of the this three house community, the inner life of what's going on in the neighborhood, and so forth, the inner life which is usually wrapped in shadow because there's parts of us that we're ashamed of or that people told us had no value or, you know, all this stuff that we have to regurgitate and find the unconscious parts, which are full of capacity. That's the other thing. I think there's going to be an immense um, increase in the recognition for those people that can go through the process of getting in touch with their inner life of the capacity that they have that they had no idea they had it because the rules had been so strong and kept them down in a certain place for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, the rules are gone. You know? I didn't have to even show my, my, my photo at the bank the other day when I couldn't go inside because only drive-in now. And I, I was so I'm here I'm walking through the drive-in, right, and with cars behind me and everything. <laughs> I never <laughs> used it before, but he was so kind. And he said, sure, you know. I mean, it's like, I love that. I love that moment. And it's like anytime I have an interaction with these people that I that are just mostly invisible, they're fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That's great. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> that was a great sight. Well, I, I, um, I went through, um, my own kind of, uh, cleaning house in December of um, 2017, where for pretty much the entire month, I barely spoke to anyone Mm. and just examined the things that I was holding on to in some way Mm -hmm. and let Mm -hmm. go of them and Mm -hmm. accepted, um, you know, uh, one of my favorite things to say is, you know, we're, we have to accept that we're not axe murderers. You know, our worst thing that we've done in general is usually so small uh, on the spectrum yeah. of possibilities. Yeah. And we have to forgive ourselves and, and mm-hmm. acknowledge, you know, mm-hmm. that we're, we're here to learn. But mm-hmm. I entered 2018 in such a clean place um, yeah. energetically as far as just you know, clearing the decks and um, it made all the difference mm-hmm. moving forward for me personally. Mm-hmm. And really we should be using winter to do that anyway. You know, once they got electricity, yeah, they didn't need to do it anymore. <laughs> Before electricity, <laughs> they sat around and told stories to each other. That's how they learned the history of their tribes, you know, 
So, yeah. Yeah. And slept really Maybe the electrician will, electricity will go down next. <laughs> not hope for that. <laughs> I mean, I don't want that, of course, but but who knows what we'll have to learn if that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I always find in working with people, since I I started as a medical intuitive and then I've just sort of branched out continually mm-hmm. from there, but one of the things that I always say is that when when your soul has a message for you, it just kind of whispers at first. And if right. you catch the whisper, then it doesn't really need to be that traumatic or dramatic. But if you yeah. don't do that, then it starts ringing your phone and ringing your doorbell and finally, you know, taking a log and Ill. dashing down your yeah. door. Yeah. yeah. So, exactly. I mean, that works on societal level, too. And so exactly. I, I think if enough people get it with this and enough people go inside, it doesn't need to be everybody. It doesn't even really need to be a huge percentage, but it has to be enough to be a tipping point where the pathways are much more accessible. And if that happens, I don't think it needs to be that big of a deal, but if it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen, then yeah, we'll, we'll get worse things because it's, it's just going to be collective the way that it works on an individual level. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I've been a very bullheaded person, and I had to have big, huge voices booming at me before I pick up on stuff. Not so much recently, but for a while there, it was a booming voice that filled the room Mm. if I had to make a shift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you, have each of you noticed um, in terms of, I know, Laura, you were talking about synchronicities. even in terms of being my contacting you about about this interview and seeing a, a UFO, have you have you noticed patterns, synchronicity, synchronicities, and patterns recently, say in the past couple of months, that are amping up, or does it seem that it's pretty much the way it's always been? So for me, my life is always extremely magical and synchronous, but I will say that Mm -hmm. since September, my life has been like insanely synchronous and my dreams have been so precognitive. I mean, I'll, I'll have three dreams at night. They'll have say 12 details in them and 11 of the details will come true within 24 hours. And so it's like, okay, that 12th one I really need to pay attention to because they're trying to tell me that, you know, these dreams are coming true. So for me, it's been, I mean, I'm used to it, but I think it would really drive a lot of people nuts because it's it's challenging me to the point where even in my dreams, I'm arguing with them. I'm like, hey, you can't push me this hard. You can't keep pushing me this hard. I'll break. And they're kind of like, well, that's the idea. So, yeah. um, or I'll say I, something. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I so, yes, I've like, noticed an uptick. I, I remember saying something at one point like, come on, you've never been in a body. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Stop asking so much of me so so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just the flow of synchronicity is always there. And um, I'm just, I, I'm loving the fact that more people are waking up to that. Um, more people that I live with are waking up to that. Even though they're also, you know, dealing with their fear, but they are also, uh, but they're, recognizing that they've got to get a hold of their fear because they now know that it's fear that ruins the immune system, which is Mm -hmm. helpful to know. Extremely helpful to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the magic of when the synchronicities begin for people Mm -hmm. is, is such an exciting time Mm -hmm. um, when, you know, we accept the, the, you know, the incredible, um, flow of manifestation in the universe and and how much we have at our fingertips you know how much mm-hmm. our thoughts and our words um and and keeping those things clear for ourselves uh makes mm-hmm. such a huge difference mm-hmm. yeah and I just find it it really helps you live with joy even if there's things that you're afraid of if you notice that there's just this magical web connecting everything it's kind of hard Mm -hmm. not to trust that there is a bigger picture and that there is Mm -hmm. something else going on and I've noticed that a lot of clients that have been kind of habitual doubters I mean I I used to joke that 
I, I would tell someone, okay, you know, ask for signs, pray and ask for signs, and then the next time I talked to them, they'd say, I got nothing, and nothing, nothing happened. And I'm like, well, tell me about your week, and it's the most amingly right. week. And they hadn't noticed it. Well, that's not really happening anymore. People are noticing it, and, and that uh-huh. part I oh. find also encouraging that that even people that are big big doubters are saying you know i thought of you and and i knew that you were going to laugh at me if i didn't notice this so i noticed it and i'm telling you now that it was really amazing <laughs> so i'm hearing more of that <laughs> yeah yeah my ex-daughter-in-law called me and she said you're loving this time aren't you <laughs> she said yeah i was made for it you know and she she turns out she is too she's finding out so, mm-hmm. yeah. Isn't that isn't that true for everybody, really? Because we chose to come in at this moment mm-hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I You're both very involved. Uh, the millennials. No, uh, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead, Ann. I have to keep reminding them of that. Uh huh. Yeah. So. Well, you're both so involved in um, sustainable practice, and mm-hmm. as the world turns right now, embracing sustainability is going to become more and more important to us. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any specific things that you'd like to share on that front? Um, Anne is way more than I am. <laughs> well, yeah, this place is a demonstration of what we can do with the suburbs. We don't have to build anything new. You just keep cha- you change the way you think about it. You change your imagination. You change your practices in terms of um, getting together and sharing with other people. Uh, we've got and this place is totally permaculture. You know the three the three yards are all connected. Uh, when you wa- walk into this place, people invariably almost at this point they say, "This is another world." So imagine this other world could be, uh, could be, um, you know, just magnified all across this country in all these suburbs that all have all this grass and all these isolated people. And if they could get together and start, start community inside these suburbs, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine the growth that would happen in consciousness and in, in aliveness and in joy? Uh, even just here, you know, more and more over the years, people walk by now rather than drive by because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. What's going on is interesting. So just just that. We're just always demonstrating another way that anybody could do. So, but, yeah, I'm definitely an activist in that sense now. I used to be an activist more so out in the world where I was like a violent peace activist, I call myself later <laughs> that was uh-huh wait a minute we've got 50,000 nuclear weapons you know where <laughs> they're raining they got them down each other's throat i can remember hating reagan because he's you know he, who knows who reagan was but then he ends up meeting with gorbachev you know i couldn't believe it, it shifted me yeah completely. that was amazing that was an early early yeah. aquarian manifestation yeah. yeah um it was phenomenal it's phenomenal. So we, you know, there's always room to change the mind. That's the other thing. With more information. And for me, I think sustainability is less of a well. It's not a theoretical thing for you either, obviously, Anne, because you're putting it into practice. But I don't, mm-hmm. I don't come at it so much from that angle. I'm an artist. I just like things to be beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I like food, and I like really fresh food, and I like people to get along. And so Mm -hmm. um, when we moved to Indiana and we had this horribly ugly yard, and it was just, I mean, it really felt like moving to the apocalypse when we moved there. I'm not kidding. Like, everything had been chopped down. It was just so ugly. It it would, like, kick me in the gut whenever I looked outside. And then the train's going by. Oh my gosh, it was for for an empath and for as hypersensitive as I am to everything, it was literally hell on earth. But across the street, I, yeah, across the yeah, street, across the street the a factory and a train. And, I mean, it was the least likely place to do what I did, which is probably why mm-hmm. I was sent there. But I mm-hmm. permacultured the entire yard. But I didn't just permaculture it. I I purposely selected the trees that would be the most beautiful versions of those trees. And <laughs> I planted 
one fall I planted a thousand spring bulbs and I did that multiple times. So, I mean, the oh, whole place it. was blooming nonstop from uh, early March until late November. We had fresh blooms somewhere there. And for me, Fantastic. it was more about soul healing for, for myself, mm-hmm. but also for other people. <laughs> but I had such an excess of produce that I was constantly having to donate to elderly people, donate to food banks. You know, I just, it was <laughs> too much. And then when we moved here, I wanted a right-sized garden because I was basically farming there, and I knew I had some other things to do. And we got this groundhog situation that really keeps things in check. I cannot permaculture our yard because we have so much wildlife, and, and I have a relationship with them. And I realize, okay, you are driving me crazy, but you're doing it for my own good because otherwise I would do the exact same thing again. And so mm-hmm. I'm less sustainable in a way, except that I'm, I know I'm doing more of what I'm supposed to be doing because that, mm-hmm. that was a pathway for me to open things up for other people. But mm-hmm. for me, I really am primarily an artist. And so I'm, I'm creating, I've never stopped creating that way. And my sustainability was really about just making the world a more beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Which is so important. Yeah. Yeah, for you Absolutely. too, and Mia, you do a lot with art. Yeah, I'm I'm trained as an artist and um have been organizing uh large scale special events and projects in the arts for decades and hmm. I'm currently opening an artist in residence residency program uh in a little town in South Dakota. Uh, called Wasta, which is on the edge of the Badlands National Park. And um, my partners, Larry and Adelaide Fuss, um, live in Rapid City. And we're um, taking Larry <laughs> Larry on a whim, not knowing exactly what he would do with them all, bought up half the town, including four motel buildings. And, oh, um, and the school the empty school building, um, which has been turned into studio space and a conference center in the auditorium. And then another building is an art gallery. And we have um, three motel buildings that are kind of in an egg shape, two on one side and one on the other. Um, So there are 30 individual units that are all newly renovated uh, into uh, beautiful efficiency apartments with full kitchens and um, the 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 unit that I lived in out in South Dakota um, is the actual unit that the Sam Shepard and Val Kilmer character were staying in for the f- movie Thunderheart, um, which has been a, a very influential film in my life. I saw it in 1992 and um, um, to go out there to, to be led by spirit, to go out to South Dakota as I did and, um, and stay there and organize various projects. Uh, and now this residency program has been quite an, an extraordinary thing. And, we are, uh, I took the transition town training in 2009, mm-hmm. so, and have been very involved in the industrial hemp movement. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, we will be growing hemp ultimately and um, having a sustainable community there. So it's, it's very interesting the way it's all come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exciting. all sorts of small towns that are almost empty can be rejuvenated this way. And it's beautiful what you're doing. We don't have to build yeah. it yourself. We don't have to build exactly. it yourself. Just repurpose it. Look at it differently. Get your imaginations going. Well, as the Transition Town training teaches you, enthusiasm is the most important element. If you're yep. enthusiastic, you know, your creativity and imagination and everything will be engaged and you'll have the energy to follow through and bring your project to fruition. Yeah. And if if, if it's not fun, forget it. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And look at Cuba. Look at Cuba in the 90s after the oil embargo and how they completely, you know, changed the the, transformed the country and opened Mm -hmm. roof gardens and, you know, gardens and parks and everybody rode bicycles and, you know, it it can be done. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I was in Russia. I went to Russia when I was 17. Yeah, the summer after I turned 17. So between junior year and senior year in high school. And it was right before everything really crumbled, but it was kind of in the state where everything, like Gorbachev was still there, but um, people were talking about Yeltsin, and he was like the big hero then. But all there was this palpable energy of, of just chaos, which for a teenager was very interesting because, you know, you're in that kind of space anyway, and I'm lucky that I, I didn't wind up in some Russian gulag or something because the things that I look back on that I did, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that in a communist country. But, right. but what, what was so fascinating about it was how the people were able to just face that it was very similar kind of to what we're having now where there was just this massive uncertainty, but mm-hmm. people had kind of crossed over where they had a really good sense of humor about it. And, mm-hmm. and, and they were just being themselves and doing what they wanted to do. And there was this kind of devil may care attitude that was very infectious. And, and I feel like, contributed culturally to to a lot of what then became the tipping point and and everything kind of falling that way um, mm-hmm. and and I've often looked to that I mean that trip was one of the most influential trips that I ever took, and mm-hmm. always whenever I see a big societal challenge, I think back to that because there was just this inner strength and and this connection that people had with each other that I've always seen as, okay, that's what the potential is when you go through a big challenge. Beautiful. Beautiful. You never told me that. I love it. <laughs> I love yeah. it. And by the and way... That's also Aquarian, too. You know, Russia is yeah. ruled, ruled by Aquarius, so um, I think we are seeing signs of this whole Aquarian age that's unrolling happening around us and have been for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's going to be a real, um, uh, astrologically speaking now, a real, this, this year is leading up to the solstice moment of December when Jupiter and Saturn, for the first time in 15 years, will conjunct one another at zero degrees Aquarius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And right now they're still, you know, lumbering through Capricorn. Uh, but on the 23rd, Saturn will move into Aquarius for three months. So this experimental attitude will start to take hold on the 23rd for three months. And then, then it'll go back to Capricorn. And then, you know, then by the end of, by the 21st of December, well, right before that, both Jupiter and Saturn will move into Capricorn, will move into Aquarius, and then they conjunct right at zero degrees on the 21st. I can't believe it. I mean, it's like, talk about divinely choreographed. Right. Yeah, you really can't make this stuff up um, <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, the, the design of the universe. It's It's yeah. so obvious if you sit down and and pay attention that mm-hmm. we're involved in this major transformation right now um and we should embrace it um mm-hmm. you know we should learn how to be neutral and just have detachment and discernment but um embr- embrace these changes because what we were doing just doesn't work Right. That's you know, I'm sure you both know the dolphins, you know, have come back to the canals in Venice. The water is clean. Right. The, right. the things that we'll see over the next couple of months without all the cars, you know, polluting the air. I think we're going to see so many amazing signs of how flexible the planet actually is. 
Mm -hmm. um, in terms of cleaning itself up um, Mm -hmm. that we won't be able to argue with anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is our teacher. Come on, folks. Yes. Yeah, and I think that flexibility is also very Aquarian, too, Mm -hmm. just in the sense Mm -hmm. of having a little more of the detachment because in, Mm -hmm. and I see how this plays out with the body as well, that it's that reactivity that really causes a lot of immune, autoimmune and, and immune malfunction within the body. And because mm-hmm. you start getting into the space where you're, rea- you're hyper-reactive to things that really don't matter that much, and your body gets in that state then. And it's like, oh, this little thing that is, is really, you're not even really allergic to it, but all of a sudden your body thinks it's the enemy. And not only is that the enemy, but so is your body, and it's attacking and all of that. Yeah. I feel like That's the problem. As, yeah. as people are having to learn to be more flexible, as they're having to learn that, oh, you thought you were going to work on Monday? Nope, you're not. You know, right. You're staying home. You're working from home. Oh, you thought you were doing that? Nope, you're not. You're doing this. That uh, people are having to, to become more adaptable, and I suspect that we're going to see a lessening of that hyper-reactivity because you can't just be freaking out about everything nonstop. Eventually, you reach a point where you just kind of laugh about it, and you're like, you know what? I surrender, exactly. I can't do everything. And I think that's, yeah. we need that as a society. Yeah. yeah, or even with the millennials. I live with um, one young man here who has been just obsessed with this relationship that isn't working, right? And he said, this is making that look so petty. Mm. <laughs> I can't even go there anymore. He's like amazed that it's completely, mm-hmm. it's completely released him from from his own mind stuff, basically, which is what he'd been holding on to. Uh, yeah, it's like, he, he's like, what? Yeah. It's hard to remember, you know, being that age and the things mm-hmm. that that consumed, you know, right. consumed us. Um, that now it just, it, it just seems like, did I really put my energy there? So, right. <laughs> so hard to believe. <laughs> There's the shadow again, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I had this incredible experience yesterday that I'll I'll share with with you both. Um, growing up, I I and I've had a few experiences with snakes, but I've I, I you know I don't have an affinity for, for snakes in, in general, even though I know they're wonderful creatures. But um, at, at 17, I saw one snake movie, movie that terrified me. And at around 30, 31, I saw another one that really stayed with me. And images from both of these films, you know, would pop into my head periodically. And they, they always bothered me a great deal. So yesterday, I sat down and watched both of these movies back to back. Oh, oh God. Wow. And just released the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it it was so cathartic and such a wonderful um, kind of experience for me. And um, my house in upstate New York had timber rattlesnakes um, that I had to deal with. So, um, you know, I this was... 20 years ago when I was living through that. So, um, but it was such a funny kind of humorous moment to watch these two movies and, mm-hmm. and let them go. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much in our heads, you know? Yes. 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 <laughs> well, and, and Mia, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, that I saw a UFO the day that you asked me to be on this podcast, but it goes actually more intertwined than that because I had three dreams that morning and they were, each of them were very, very powerful snake dreams. And then Oh, really? Had, yeah. And then one of them had specifically five Aries, that alignment, which in the Sabian symbols is a triangle with wings. And then I was... 
I, I had a number of synchronicities after I woke up, and I was like, did I get this right? You know, am I interpreting this right? And, and I got signs that I was, but then I, and I knew they were really powerful shamanic dreams. I mean, I, I dream a lot anyway, but these were like mega dreams, right? So, uh, so I was on a walk later that afternoon, and I was like, no, really, did I get these right? I, I need a sign, and I see this UFO, it, and it was this red triangular UFO, very, I mean, it's perfectly clear sky just going very very slowly across the sky and but it was a gusty day and it was just moving you know it wasn't a balloon it wasn't a drone like it was moving very very straight and regular and I'm hearing in my head there's your sign there's your sign there's your sign but I'm thinking what you know what is that what is that it's like there's your sign there's your sign and then I I finally I'm like okay I guess that's my sign and it disappeared like completely disappeared right oh, after wow. that. Uh huh. And then I get home, and 40 minutes later, there's an email from Mia saying, "Hey, you want to be on Unknown Country podcast?" I was like, "Okay, guys, I get it." I <laughs> so, love but it. it's interesting you bring up the snakes because that that was. I mean, those were the dreams. There were these three major snake dreams, and they were. I, I don't have a bad relationship with snakes. I, I actually find they show up at really incredible times for me, either in dreams or real life. But um, yeah. but it it was the dreams were about alchemy and transformation and transmutation. Mm-hmm. So for you to mm-hmm. share that about your experience <laughs> is just a perfect affirmation of the healing power of that. Yeah, I I um, you know having worked with my Kundalini energy for decades, um, you know the snake is definitely a totem, and and um, I. You know, I I've been up close and personal um, in nature a number of times, and certainly being out in South Dakota, no doubt, you know, there will be snakes in my future as well. And I, you know, I think they're extraordinarily beautiful and powerful. Um, but but in my youth, you know, obviously there was some fear connected to to mm-hmm. that. And seeing those films again was just so liberating in a way that um, I I I got a kick out of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Even you know that I would spend four hours doing that I find funny. But we're really kind of on recess, you know. We're yep. um, we we've been given permission to follow where our you know thoughts and feelings lead us right now uh, mm-hmm. in a in a new way. Um, so that's, might that's as well. part of how you I, might as well. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and laugh at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. It's wild. Get permission. Just, um, explore your dreams, explore your conscious dreams. That's where the knowledge will come to each of us we allow that to happen for us um, on an individual basis. And that's really what we're being called to do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that is the more the internal turn. I was talking with somebody the other day and, and I said, you know, eventually people are going to get tired of talking about the virus, even if it's still <laughs> pandemic all around and everything's shut down. Eventually, people are going to start talking to each other or they're going to start telling stories mm-hmm. or they're going to start doing artwork or something because they're just going to get tired of Bored. the new routine. <laughs> yeah, they're just going to be boring. And, and that's when the really cool stuff is going to come forth. I'm, I'm really curious to see what books show up in, you know, nine mm-hmm. to 12 months from now, what artwork, what movie scripts are being written during this time, because there is this kind of collective inhale. And when that out breath comes out, I think it's going to be something, you know, it's like Tolkien had, went through World War One, and then you get Lord of the Rings, right? So yeah. um, there's, there's powerful things that are kind of germinating in the unconscious right now that I think are going to be birthed in ways that we can't even imagine. Exactly. Yep. I agree. So is there any specific um, area that, that each of you would like to cover while we have this chance of being together? 
Well, how long is this? Because I've got to eat something. Oh, um, we have another. Body. We have another um, five or ten minutes. Okay. Um, let's see. To me, I just want to keep on emphasizing that whatever you're afraid of is a part of yourself that you've projected. So go find that part. What is it? What does the, quote, coronavirus look like on a metaphorical level inside yourself? What is it doing? Is it, is it your master or your, or your servant? What is that little thing in there? No. Just kind of to, to basically focus on and meditate on the thing that scares you the most or that, that you hate the most or that you deny the most. I can remember when, when after 9-11 and I put on my altar Bush, Cheney, and Rumsfeld pictures because I had to honor them too. I had to somehow honor the heart in each one of them, even though I hated them. How can I, how can I release that hatred? Release it, release it, release the projection, release the polarization. And this is certainly bringing everybody together, this hugely polarized country. Hugely polarized. Everybody has a body and everybody's afraid of their body. What the fuck? Excuse my language, but I'm 77. (laughs) I can do whatever I want, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And that was my that was my um, my dissertation in philosophy had to do with this mind body split, which has been there since Descartes or maybe before that. Um, and we just think of ourselves as our minds, and our bodies are these things that we, you know, we have to drag along behind us. Uh, instead of this, the body is part of Earth. She's, your body is an antenna for Earth, and Earth is part of of the, the solar system and the solar system is part of the, the galaxy and so forth. So if we can connect down in there deeply enough, we connect with absolutely everything that exists and it's all alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I feel like sort of just building on what Anne said, that the real opportunity is to step into the sacred that mm-hmm. most people are just so busy all the time just with a lot of nonsense and some of it's very important nonsense but it's still chatter you know it's still it's disconnecting people from what is it's disconnecting people from an awareness of just how holy and interconnected life really is and just how dynamic the interplay is and so I feel like a lot of spiritual paths do kind of shun the body. Mine doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I very, uh, I've, I just feel like the natural world is where you create, and and mm-hmm. your body is a part of that creation. And so, if people tap more into their power to create both little art projects, but also gardens, also. Uh, relationships, opportunities, new ways of doing things, that when you tap into that creative force, you're really tapping into much, much more. You're tapping into this kind of pulsating divinity that runs throughout everything. And however you tap into that is amazing, but it's usually easier to do it when you have a little more quiet and space. And and Mm -hmm. so I think we're going to get that. Well, too... You know, as Don Juan told Carlos Castaneda, we have to let go of our histories um, and not carry them around. We have to be open to a a new way of being and have our vantage point or perspective point shifted. And in a way, you know, it's as if Don Juan is shifting that point of awareness for each and every one of us through the virus showing up in this way and, and the way our lives are impacted. Well, and I think when you have a lot of things stripped away, and this is why 
a really severe accident or illness, and I put accident in quotes always, but um, a really severe life-changing accident or illness is so transformative for people because you lose all those things that you associate with yourself and with your life and your identity, and you realize, oh, I'm still here, but I'm not that. I'm not my job. I'm not my degree. I'm not this. I'm not that. And that's happening now on a much more collective level where people are, ha- are realizing that these things that filled their lives and that they identified with are not them, and yet there's something more. There's something bigger, and, and I feel like that's the potential. Absolutely. Well, Laura and Anne, thank you so much for joining us. If you would please um, tell the audience how to get in touch with you and and your blog addresses, that would be great. Okay. Uh, My blog is www, of course, xoexo, permaculture.com. And the Green Acres blog is uh, www.greenacresvillage.com. Um, I also have a, 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 a website that is going to be, I'm going to be making much more active called babypictureproject.com. You might want to look at that and send us your baby picture, your original self before you were conditioned <laughs> and with a story. I would love that. that. To me, that is what's going to change the world if we start wearing our baby pictures, our innocent selves, because we all are innocent underneath. What a great so, idea. So yeah, isn't it? That's talk about activism. To me, that is the activism I want to. I'm going to be uh, addressing this more. I'm going to be driving this one more now. Mm -hmm. Good, good. And uh, mine is just laurabruno.wordpress.com, L-A-U-R-A-B as in boy, R-U-N-O.wordpress.com. You can also get at it by uh, putting in ask, A-S-K, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, Bruno, B-R-U-N-O dot com. They both will take you to my blog that doubles as my website. But, um, yeah, that's that's the easiest way to contact me. There's a contact page. Yep. Wonderful. And, of course, we'll have all this information um, with the, our interview um, on the site. The new It's the New Observations podcast on uh, Dreamland, and I am the publisher of New Observations Magazine, newobservations.org. So if you haven't checked out the magazine yet, please do. Um, we're doing a lot of amazing things, including our next issue is all on the Pine Ridge Reservation, the May issue. Um, I am so thrilled to uh, be able to announce that we are showcasing the art of Leonard Peltier, and um, I was able to do an interview with Leonard, uh, a Q&A with Rob Felix, our guest editor uh, from prison, and Chase Iron Eyes, who's one of the leaders of the Standing Rock protest, is writing an article, and Dana Thompson of Sous Chef. Um, and just an amazing list of people, um, all connected to Pine Ridge in one way or another, uh, are involved in putting together uh, the next issue of the magazine. So it's very, very exciting. Mm, yeah. Very. Oh, so thank you for joining us. And thank you, Anne and Laura. This has been great. Thanks, Mia. And, and nice to thank chat you with so Anne, much. too. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear your voice. <laughs> yes, we and yours too. Text, we just usually text or email. That's all we do. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to actually have the the voice imprint. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, bye Thank for you. now, everyone. All right. Bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye.